Okay, welcome back to Unexplained Oregon. This is Christine. And Kim. Hi, Kim. Hello. (laughs) Well, we took a little break because we were doing some work on on some new episodes, and and now we're back. And I'm super excited to share um, with you, Kim, and with everyone listening this week's episode. It's, It's a pretty special one. I'm excited to hear about it. Really, really ready. Yeah. If you like what you're hearing, go to our Instagram at unexplained or leave us a message, DM us, find us on Facebook. Yes. Where else are we, Kim? Uh, well, we have our Gmail. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Gmail. Our Gmail email account. You could always email us in what you what you want us to talk about and uh, what you, you know, share with us. We're ready to hear about it. Keep them coming. We love getting your emails unexplainedoregon at gmail.com. Yep. And here we go, Kim. You ready? I'm so ready, Christine. Who are we talking about today? This this week we're talking about a missing person. This is the case of Leona LeClaire Kinsey. Okay. Um, and this case has become a little bit more special to me and to us because we've made contact with a family member and and have been able to kind of make some some connections and and it feels a little bit more important mm-hmm. a little bit more personal. um personal yeah and and validating to kind of have that additional like connection to the case that we haven't had yet Mm-mm. yeah so I'm excited to share this with you and see what you think. I mean, I think you said the case was 20 years old, so it's been some time. Yeah, the case. mm -hmm. I don't remember hearing about this case, so I'm really excited. I'm curious who else has heard about this case. If you've heard about it, uh, definitely email us and let us know. Um, if If you haven't heard about it, then I'm I'm really excited for it because it, again it's getting it's getting energy out there for this person. So exactly, yeah. Ready. I was definitely thinking about what the motive is for sharing these cases, or what are and you know just touching back on on that energy piece, right? Like mm-hmm. putting putting this energy back out there again to get thoughts and prayers, prayers and yep. positive things going for, um, you know, these missing people, but also their family members that are greatly impacted by the loss, right? Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Okay, so let's just dive into um, the case of Leona Kinsey. Leona was 45 at the time of her disappearance. She was living at the time she was living in La Grande, Oregon. The date of her disappearance was October 25th, 1999. Okay. So like I said, it's it's been, you know, over 20 years now. The day that Leona went missing, she was supposed to meet up with a friend. And she told her friend that before she was coming over, she was going to meet with a man. Um, and his name was John. Okay, that's about all we know about him or all that I was able to find out about this person. His name was John. Mm. 
she ended up not showing at her friend's house, which, of course, was kind of strange. And her friend, all she knew was that she was meeting John? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Her daughter, Carolyn, was uh, also trying to make contact with Leona at the time and had been trying to reach out to her for a few days and wasn't hearing back from her mom. And that wasn't like Leona. She was, Mm. she kept in touch with people, but there was definitely, you know, sort of a something strange going on, right? Yeah. I mean, you you always hear in these, you know, missing cases, people adamantly saying that it's not like my loved one to just up and leave and not say anything. I mean, I don't know how else you would convey that to authorities, you know, mm-hmm. but it'd just be really hard. But I, I mean, I always think about that because... <laughs> Like if, if my daughter went missing, she definitely is not someone that would just walk out the door in the middle of the night. And so if I got Mm -hmm. up and I don't know, it'd just be hard to convey that. So she was trying to contact her mom uh, and had been paging her uh, Mm. for about three days and didn't hear anything back and decided to file a missing persons report. This was um, 20 years ago. We aren't living in the in yeah. the world of, you know, iPhones. So you have to page someone and wait for them to call you back. Right. And sometimes you could have like little codes that you would page someone. Like if it was more important, mm-hmm. you would put like 911 in there or different things like that. But yeah, it was a very like limited way to communicate with someone. And so Carolyn had been reaching out to her mom that way. And after three days, she filed the missing persons report. Mm. And two days later, a friend found Leona's abandoned car in a grocery grocery store parking lot, Albertson's. Okay. And Albertson's is a grocery store that is like local to Oregon. I don't know if there are any in any other places in California or Washington or the Pacific Northwest. I'm not sure. They're there all are throughout Oregon? Oregon though. So at the time, the manager of Albertson said that he had not noticed Leona's GMC in the parking lot the day before. Weird. But that it doesn't mean sounds it wasn't like it. there. He just said he hadn't That's noticed true. it. So that's true. <sighs> so Carolyn decides that she better get to Lagrande to check things out and to check on her mom. And she currently was living in Washington. She decides to to come down and try to figure out where her mom is. Because even mm. though her mom was pretty independent, this was not like her mom. So Carolyn gets to her mom's home and First thing she notices is her dogs are locked outside, Oh, which is really unusual. She had two dogs and they were both outside and she gets inside the house and she starts to kind of notice things that don't exactly add up. For instance, her mom had had left her glasses, Hmm. her purse. She found her mom's pager, which had all of her messages on it. Um, her mom's cigarettes and lighter were there, which we know for back then, hmm. um, you know, for people who are smokers, you do not leave your cigarettes behind. 
Sure. Um, <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, now it's your cell phone, right? But I mean, yeah, even... exactly. Uh, that's and so obviously her car keys were there... missing, right? Because someone had to yeah. drive the vehicle. Right. There were groceries there, coffee still in the coffee pot. Oh. And her daughter, Carolyn, mentions that um, her mom took her dog everywhere. Mm. So it was unusual that that her dog was still at home. Um, I've read that there are two dogs, but maybe there was one dog primarily that Leona would take with her everywhere. Okay. And so the fact that the dog was still there, or that the dogs were locked outside was kind of like a, a little bit of a warning sign there or a little bit something that was kind of strange and not like Leona yeah. to do. So I mentioned how the car was found. Uh, the GMC was found in the Albertsons parking lot. Of course, we probably would go straight to like what a, what was going on with the car. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything found in the car? Did anything look strange in the car? And at first there was no obvious signs of a struggle, nothing in the vehicle that looked out of place. But I did read that the steering column was damaged and there was a box of rubber rubber gloves in the back seat. A box of rubber gloves. So, oh. Yeah. And they know so those that, were hers? I mean, they could have been hers. What did, um, Do we know what Leona did for a living? Like, are uh, we so going to go into Yeah, we do. She was a landscaper. She, she had her own landscaping business. Okay. Yeah. So that was suspicious, right? And you're right. Maybe there was, um, maybe the steering column was already damaged before. Maybe the gloves were hers. So, but that was, you know, something that was... That, that stood out in terms of what was going on with her vehicle. Hmm. She's never been seen uh, seen or heard from since. That's crazy. Okay. So I want to talk about Leona. Okay. I want to talk about who she was because you were asking, you know, yeah. what, what kind of job did she have? So let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, we're going to shift gears here and talk about who she was. Okay. So Leona had lived in La Grande, Oregon, um, and had been a resident there for about 20 years at the time of her disappearance. La Grande, Oregon is a rural community in eastern Oregon. Um, and to put it into perspective, it's about four hours, a little bit over four hours to Portland. Okay. From La Grande. So La Grande is on the kind of directly across the state from Portland, like to the eastern, it's in the eastern part of the state and Portland's more in the obviously kind of more west. Mm -hmm. It's about four hours, four hours and 20 minutes from Portland. At the time of Leona's disappearance, the population of La Grande was about 12,249. Not that many people. No. And I, I looked up like what other towns are kind of around La Grande, Oregon, and there really aren't any other big towns. Mm. Um, all of the other towns are kind of small. In fact, you know, you could go up into Washington and hit like another big town, but not really. So a, a lot of what was around LeGrand or what is around LeGrand is, is small. Mm. At the time of her disappearance, uh, Leona was between five feet, two inches and five feet, four inches. She weighed about 110 pounds okay. uh, with brown hair and brown eyes. She 
is um, part of the Puyallup Indian tribe. And what I think is kind of really cool about her is that she had um, a tattoo of a tomahawk and a peace pipe, hmm. um, like interweaved on her bicep. I wasn't able to find a picture hmm. of it anywhere, but it'd be really cool to like see a photo of what that that tattoo looked like because I bet it was pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to what she was like and how um, Carolyn describes her mom and her Carolyn says that her mom is fiercely independent, strong, with strong morals and integrity. She was hardworking, respectful, compassionate, and described as a proud Indian woman. Hmm. Um, she really enjoyed being outside. She, Carolyn describes how she has memories of her childhood of hunting and fishing and spending time outside with her mom. Her mom could go pheasant hunting, serve the bird for dinner and use the leftover bird feathers for like an artistic. Wow. That's awesome. My kind of gal. I know. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, So yeah, Leona loved the outdoors and she had a strong like spiritual belief and like a being a strong spiritual being. I mean, I'm sure it was connected to her love of the outdoors and her Mm -hmm. culture and belief system. She had a quirky sense of humor, Mm. um, but also a very dark and real concept of life. During her lifetime, she had experienced a lot of like trauma in terms of domestic violence and and a sexual assault. Um, So she had been through a lot. There's no doubt about it. And was, sounds like a pretty resilient, strong woman. Yeah. Strong woman. She was a hard worker. She had worked as a janitor a housekeeper. And at the time of her disappearance, she had her own business as a landscaper. Okay. And what they found when they looked at her like appointment book was that her week was booked for um, jobs. So another indication that she was not planning on leaving. This wasn't an expected trip somewhere. Um, She had a full schedule of work for that following week. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, well, I mean, I think just the fact that she didn't take care of her. We know that she didn't plan this. I mean, her dog... That she cherished was left there. Her belongings, her purse. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they probably her glasses. Yeah, her glasses, her cigarettes. They she probably never had credit card activity after she went missing, right? I mean, they've right. Ugh, so horrible. Yeah, I don't even know. People like I know people had credit cards back then, but I feel like now. We so use that as a way to like track people, track man. what people are doing. But like back then, people were using cash or probably writing checks more. So it probably travelers was checks. More remember diff- those? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! I dated myself. So. Later. Well, yeah, and and so now we of course will go straight to like a bank account. We would go straight to. A credit card, we would go to a cell phone and track everything in that way. But it literally looked like she had just left. 
because everything was just left there. And you mentioned that she was meeting John. And had she told her friend about John? That is that the story? She had told her friend she was meeting John? Yeah. But no mm-hmm. one knows who John was in her life. Her daughter didn't know that she was involved with a John? Or what's the story there? So... Okay, so the story is, is that, you know, this is the part where I, I kind of am reluctant to talk about John because I, I feel like it kind of puts a, you know, a little bit of a shadow over who Leona is. Okay. And the rumor is, is, or who John is was a, a drug dealer, supposedly. And so, you know, that does add an element to the whole story, right? Mm-hmm. What the element that I want to take away is any kind of a judgment towards what what that may mean or mm-hmm. or how that may take away from the relevance of, of this case. Mm-hmm. Of course, it perhaps could have made Leona more vulnerable to what the situation is, but we've got to talk about it because it is an element of it that leads to what may have happened, right? That ultimately her daughter, Carolyn, believes that this was foul play, right? Mm -hmm. And we're we're leading that to that. I mean, we already know, like we said, that she wasn't the type of person that would have just gone off like this. Mm -hmm. She left everything important behind. She had close friends in town. She has her daughter. At the time that this happened, she was a grandmother. Mm. Um, so there, this, this didn't add up and it definitely sounds like she wasn't expecting to leave that day. I have to say, I've been like exchanging messages with Carolyn and photos that she has sent and letters and notes that her mom had written her throughout the years that her mom would jot things down. Leona would jot things down and she'd use like envelopes and stuff, which used to be like really common when I think our, we were growing up, there was a lot of mail in the household and you would just grab like an old envelope and write on the back of it or. Yes. I still um, do that. And so her mom would like. (laughs) Still what I do. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So her mom would write things down to her. And send it to her. And like, if she was sending a care package, she would just put these notes in there. And Carolyn says that she has put these notes in like a treasure box that she has and has found that when she pulls this box out and reviews like these notes, that it's like a message from beyond from her mom now. And that she can tell how proud her mom is of her, that it's like her mom's voice still to this day, loving her and acknowledging her and just through these notes, right? These notes and that she had sent her all these years ago. And that's really sweet. That's and the photos. Mm. Yeah. The photos are, are pretty um, special as well. There's, um, Carolyn also described kind of the last time that she saw her mom and sort of the memory of her mom 
in that moment and what she remembers about that day and and just it's embedded in her memory and um, I hope you know that we can actually talk with Carolyn and have her on the podcast eventually I would love to interview her and have her sit with us and talk with us and definitely um, if she's willing to I yeah I definitely felt pretty like I didn't realize how um, how much this story would trigger me for a lot of different reasons. But you and I, Kim, were talking about our moms and mm-hmm. just like our connection with our moms. And I know for me, I've just recently moved back to Oregon three years ago. And, and one of the main reasons why I moved back here was so that I could have coffee with my mom. Yeah. That was my goal. That was one of my main reasons for coming back here was to be able to sit with my mom and have coffee with her and talk with her and have it be like a normal, regular yeah. thing. Or enjoy her. And yeah. We're at the age where we should yeah. really just enjoy our parents. And we were talking about it earlier. I live right next door to my mom and see her every day. And it We've covered missing cases before where it's a child and talked about that hopeless feeling you would feel if it's your child gone missing. But this is a different aspect because I think your mom is someone that's easy to maybe um, take for granted, you know, and definitely at our age. And if you are lucky enough to have your mom around you, uh, it's, it's a relationship that that everyone needs. I mean, I would, I just, your mom is just the one person, at least mine is no matter what I do, she'll always be in my corner. Like even if I'm in the wrong, I think my mom would stand up for me, you know? And I, I don't, she's like the one person that would do that for me. Well, and we talked about how it's not easy, right? Like navigating adult relationships with our parents it's not easy and Kim you live right next to your parents it's a challenge I live four minutes from my parents and it's I remember as a teenager I would have never believed right that I would choose (laughs) willingly to be this close to my parents yeah like but I think you and I agree that we relish like the time that we have with our moms. We relish this and know that it's it's right. Yeah. Um uh, because time is precious. It is precious. I feel for Carolyn. Mm-hmm. I wish she had this time with her yeah. mom. I uh, she probably thinks about her every hour, you know, about her mom and yeah. uh I'm sure she's raising her children and wishing that her mom is there with her. And that is a reason why I'm living right next to my parents is because I really wanted them to have a relationship with my kids, you know, and I didn't know my grandparents. So they do, my, my parents are very close with my kids. So, um, you know, just to think that Carolyn's missing out on that, Leona's missing out on her grandkids and that breaks my heart. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, I'm totally with you. The same thing. Like my, I didn't get to really know my grandparents either, and uh, I think it's been important for us, right, to have mm-hmm. our our family be connected with our kids. Like that, 
that's important. That's a value that's important to us. And mm-hmm. there's so many years that, that have been lost and missed out on. But, you know, I want to talk about what we know and maybe what we think happened. Okay. So I read that there were a large number of suspects that were connected to the case and interviewed. But before this person that Leona was meeting could be polygraphed, he was actually deported back to Mexico. And currently, like, no one, nobody knows where he's at. And it's just they know that he's John and he got deported back to Mexico. That's all we know. Yeah. Uh Well, you know, LaGrande is a small town, and I suspect that a lot of people know. People know maybe what happened. People know who he is, who he's connected to. I've been reading some different message Mm. boards. I think there are probably still people in LaGrande that are connected to John that know more. But it's a small town, and if there was foul play involved, why would anyone want to speak up, right? It's been 20 years, but that's why we're talking about this, right? For sure. Um, It's, again, to to give new light to this case and to, to bring new energy to it. You know, when we think about the, like, Native American population, I think what we know or what we think we know is that... If there is violence that is occurring, which there is a lot of violence that occurs towards females and Native American mm-hmm. females, that we kind of assume that it's on reservations. And um, it is. There is a large amount of violence that's occurring actually on Native lands. Mm. And women are murdered at a higher rate sometimes more than 10 times the national average. Wow. And oftentimes it's underreported and failed to be investigated. But 70% of Native Americans actually live in urban settings. So the fact that these cases, like Leona's, are not being investigated, they're not being oftentimes reported, Mm. It's not just jurisdiction now. So the jurisdiction issue would be that, you know, there is an issue with investigating when it's on tribal land. Like they have their own laws, their own policies, all of that, right? And so that's one thing. But 70% of Native Americans live in urban settings, live in, you know, communities that are not... Those crimes are... You know, tribal lands... Yeah. Right. They're not being investigated. They're not being recorded even. They're not there's not enough data. Hmm. They're it's it's literally racism. It's literally happening with this population, with this minority. And mm. I'm not surprised about that. Mm-mm. So I want I wanted to talk about this case because that's a huge component to it. There was also a, a lack of resources in this case. I did ask Carolyn how she felt about law enforcement, and she said that it that it was a lack of resources, a lack mm. of maybe taking it um, seriously, maybe right. And when an adult goes missing. People think that they left on their own, right? Adults can leave if they want to. So I think 
there is oftentimes a, a lack of urgency behind it, right? Uh-huh. And then if you add in the fact that there might have been some barriers to her case and that she was meeting someone that was um, possibly, you know, a dealer. And so that creates sort of this judgment and this, you know, whole barrier to her case. So I think that there are a lot of reasons why we don't know more. Mm. Right. Mm hmm. I want to know what was what else was found in the car. I want to know if they found any fingerprints. If if ever, where is the car now? Like, is there a possibility of any DNA being found anywhere? Like, what else was on her pager? Yeah, right. Like, there are so many parts to this that I don't have any answers to yet. But I want to find out more. Yeah, I think it it looks like somebody came to her home and she wasn't expecting it, and she left with them. For whatever reason. Crazy. Yeah. Ugh. Heart goes out for Carolyn. It really does. Yeah. So obviously this is an ongoing investigation still, or is it a, is it a closed investigation? Yeah, just, there, okay. it's ongoing as far as I know. There is still um, a reward out there, multiple rewards. Um, if you know anything about this case, you can contact the police department at 541-963-1017 in LaGrande. I think it's going to be a matter of someone talking, someone coming forward, somebody, I mean, we've talked about this before. Somebody knows something. Exactly. There is someone out there that knows something. I mean, it, it there is. Right. So it's going to take them to come forward and hopefully they do. And realize that Leona was a person that was loved, you know, and she had a life and a daughter and um, mm-hmm. a dog. I mean, she, she had a life. And so hopefully someone will have some kind of compassion in their heart to come forward if they know anything. Uh, right. Maybe any little detail, you know, that they can think of would help. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening, Kim. That's cool. Like I said, this has uh, been a, been like been really really good, really um, important to talk about this, talk about Leona, and um, well, and hold a space here for her and her family, and yeah, um, and for the 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 grief and loss, and there's something about, and Carolyn describes this. There's a lack of closure when a loved one goes missing that's unlike any other I couldn't even imagine I mean could I I wouldn't be able to sleep I wouldn't like how could you fully ever relax ever you know You, you couldn't you'd just be in a in a constant state of anxiety you know I I it's just horrible yeah and there are traditions and ceremonies that that we do when loved ones you know die or we have that closure and there are no ceremonies for this right you can Mm. do like some kind of a memorial or tribute yeah thank you Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but this is different and for you know the native american community that is very you know tradition and ritual 
based and and full of ceremonies that honor loved ones and loved ones passing. I mean, how do you honor this? How do you move on? So so today we're giving that that voice to Leona and to her family and just honoring her and who she is and mm-hmm. sounds um, like she keeping, was a very strong uh, awesome woman and made a difference in her daughter's life and uh, oh yeah this hmm. I feel like we'd be friends with her yeah, for <laughs> she sure. sounds pretty cool yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> hopefully. You will think of her today and um, from now on and pray for her, pray for Carolyn. And I know I will be. Yeah. If you're interested in more information about this, we're going to put some links on, on our Facebook, on our Instagram that share more about this story. There's definitely you know, Facebook pages that support um, missing, murdered, and indigenous women. So let's get the word out about this. Let's talk about this more and keep this dialogue going. Okay, let's Kim? Let's do it for sure. Thank you for listening today. And uh, keep listening. We, we, we will be back. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Christine. This was awesome.